You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1,122. And ooh, do we have a good one for you. Delivering marketing, sales, and business success, Angelo Ponzi helps clients see proven results with his work. Not only does he offer practical solutions, but also efficient solutions. And he's here to tell us more about his work and how business CEOs like you can benefit from working with Angelo and his firm, the Ponzi Group. Angelo, welcome to Critical Mass. Thank you, Rick. I really appreciate it. Okay, so let's start simply. Got an interesting story about your professional path. Want to share it with our audience? Sure. I mean, I I thought about this quite a bit. And there's so many different stories on actually how I got to be an entrepreneur. Now, Briefly, it started when I was about seven years old, watching my dad, who was a pipe fitter, decide that he wanted to own his own business and became a master plumber. And so I got to watch him throughout my childhood work for himself. So when I started in the business field, um, when I was 21 after I graduated college, it only took a couple of years before I decided to become my, an entrepreneur. Hmm. And I started a company down here in Orange County called The Film Cannery. I was in love with the movie business and I thought we'd get into the commercial side of it. My partners were uh, 20 years older than me. What I know was what I didn't know was what I, you know, I knew what I didn't know kind of thing. And we lasted about eight months. And so it gave me my first experience of running a business and how difficult it was that you just didn't hang a shingle out on the door. Hmm. Fast forward that, um, working for various advertising agencies and client side, I had the opportunity to buy an agency I'd been working for for about five years. The man pulled the plug on the deal at the nth hour, and being the, the hot Italian I was at the time, I walked out the door and decided I was going to be work for myself. And so my clients over the next five years actually were advertising agencies, and I leveraged my experience in being the strategic planner and the market research guy. And so I became that person to about 14 different agencies in Southern California. Mm. And then eventually I decided that I was tired of doing it for other people and then morphed into uh, my own agency, which I later sold. And uh, the the group that bought us out of Los Angeles put us together as a new firm down here in Orange County for a while. Um, And then after about eight years, I went client-side again up until 2014 and decided it was time to be an entrepreneur again. And you're a fractional CMO? Correct. What does that mean? So, in, a, in the sense, you know, used to maybe in the old days we'd call it part-time, right, or, or contract. But So, as a fractional CMO, I, I go into organizations and work on a part-time basis, if you will, on a fractional basis, based on a, a set number of hours, the needs that the client may have. And we establish that up front and what my goal is. So, typically, I'm brought in when they need a senior-level, experienced chief marketing officer but can't necessarily afford to have one or not ready to have one. They may or may not even have any marketing people. In a lot of cases, they've got some marketing managers that really need to be brought along and mentored, so that Mm -hmm. becomes part of the job as well. But I tend to, I like to call it, have a seat at the table. So I'm there with the senior, the C-suite folks, and I'm, I'm contributing from that standpoint. So whether it's growing existing business, opening up new markets, looking at the competition, things like that, are kind of the areas that I tend to play in more on that strategic level. While I do get my hands dirty, 
um, you know, hopefully we got other people to execute those strategies. So who, what type of, describe for our audience the type of clients that you work with. You know, what's your niche? So the niche, I like to look at um, 2 million to about 75 million. Okay. Both B2B and B2C. I do have to say in the last several years, it's been a little more B2B. Prior to that, for the 10 years, it was all B2C and very little B2B. So I like to say I've worked with everything from uh, semiconductors to ice cream. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in the alcoholic beverage industry, which was a a lot of fun. Great time at Christmas because we used to get cases of (laughs) of wine and and vodka and things like that. So I had some really good experiences there. But it seems that um, in this CMO role, it's lent more towards software and industrial value-added resellers, those kinds of, of organizations, but also startups as well. Mm. Um, so I'm working with a, an educational-based startup company and going on a year now as their chief marketing officer, and then uh, recently with a, a three-decade-old uh, multimillion-dollar uh, value-added reseller. So. So, so one of the things that, as you're describing your experience that I'm thinking, and you tell me if this is true, that that diverse level of experience working with across-the-spectrum kind of companies probably makes you more valuable as a fractional chief marketing officer because you kind of have seen how other companies do it and you can bring that knowledge to your current client and maybe help them? I, I think that is, is, is really my point of differentiation. So I like to say I've been I've worked on the marketing agency side, so I've dealt with a vast array of clients, it, and sometimes you know as a project, and sometimes ongoing, very deep. And then on the client side, I've got to experience a lot of different aspects. So having that broad brush of verticals, having the experience of of working on both sides of the fence in marketing, plus frankly owning two businesses, right. um, I understand what it, a dollar means to you know the bottom line. So I kind of bring that and I think that gives me a unique perspective because um, some of the things we used to say you're B2B or you're B2C. Now the kind of the disciplines apply back and forth because you're really looking at you know market growth or lead generation or things like that and a lot of the disciplines apply to both now especially with technology being so important to the marketing function some of the technology tools you might think facebook is a good b2c platform but it also can work for many b2b companies as well so you have that blend as well well well, exactly it's really about you know when it comes to communications channels if you will or Mm -hmm. what the proper channels it's ultimately knowing who the customer is right who are we trying to target and and understanding uh, you know their journey. You've heard this word before, their customer journey. But how are they, uh, um, you know, absorbing information? Are they using video? Are they using, you know, Facebook? Are they like email marketing? Are they still reading traditional magazines? So we need to understand that persona of that person so we can best lay the strategy and how to communicate. If I'm marketing on Facebook and my clients and my prospects are not on Facebook, then I'm wasting a lot of money. Right. So I, I need to understand that. And that, for me, is that strategic level. A lot of times when I, when I talk to organizations, they say, you know, I need a Facebook page, I need a website, I need to do this. And my point is, well, let's, what are we going to say to them? Let's right. take it up a couple notches. Let's understand from a strategic level what the messaging is. And if you've got multiple verticals, for example, you can't use the same message in one vertical, per se, to the second or third or fourth vertical. Now we need to look at segmentation and all those different aspects to really fine-tune and, and really shoot for it, which is a term you've heard, personalization. How yeah. do I make you and engage with you so you feel that I'm talking to you and you alone? So can I ask you candidly, just between you and I, not to the thousands sure, of people that might be listening. Sure, we're going to pay attention yeah, they're to not them. there. <laughs> do you find sometimes that the, the 
disciplined approach to marketing through what you've been trained and how you implement can be sometimes challenging or frustrating to small business owners to have to think this strategically about this aspect of their business. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in, and I wish I could say it was all, you know, smaller businesses and, and young businesses. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's across the board. Right. Um, and, and it just amazes me that, uh, I mean, I, I literally have had the opportunity to work with a startup with no money. The only money they had for marketing is what we sold. And I've had the opportunity to work with multinationals, Purina and, and Unilever. And even when you get into those rooms, a lot of times the conversations are going on, regardless of where they sit. And you go, why are we making these decisions? doesn't make any sense. So there's always this, what I find that these days is this quick, I've got to get to market. I've got to you know, get the materials. I've got to be on there getting the ads to start lead gen. But, but the whole thing isn't thought out. I worked with a, a client last year that when a lead came in, it just sat there. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't get routed to the right people. There was oh no God. process to follow up on it. So they, you know, just that was one of the first things we tackled. What do we do once a lead happens? Because they just didn't deal with it that way. That's it, almost unthinkable. It, it really is. Um, you know, there's a. I'm going to date myself with this story, but years and years and years ago, we working for an organization and we launched this big campaign. And so we here's where I date myself. And so we went to the VP of marketing who was getting the bingo leads, right, long mm-hmm. time ago. Yes. And we said, how's the campaign? He goes, man, so it's really successful. We've gotten thousands of leads. They go, what are you doing? He goes, right here in the box. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kid you not, it's the absolute truth. And, and so, you know, that strategic aspect of figuring out not only how you get the person to make the phone call or, or go online and buy, but what do you do with them after that? Just because they bought once, how do you nurture them? How do you get them back into the fold? You know, is there a cycle to their purchasing habits? So these are all things that I like to take into consideration. Any company should take into consideration because it's difficult to get a, a, a new customer. Yes. And, you know, you don't want to lose them because, it, you know, there's a lot of statistics that talk about that. Right. But, but it seems to me to be such, and we're going to have to take a break here, I understand, but it seems to me to be such a confounding thing because when you, as an entrepreneur, when you first start your business, you're all about getting your first customer. Right. And you're so attentive to that prospect and what they need and convincing them that you have the right solution and understanding what they want and really working hard to scale your business that later in life, after the business is up and operational, those basic skills that you had to do right to even have a business somehow gets lost. I, I agreed. I agreed. I, I, you know, when I started my freelance or fractional, the word didn't exist, then fractional consulting business to agencies. It took me 45 days. Every day I sat at that desk sending out emails and, you know, writing letters and making phone calls. And after 45 days, I got my first project. It was to write a letter. But that letter actually lent to a a multi-year fee contract which was the springboard for for me for the next five or six years. Wow. And and when I think sometimes about even doing my own marketing, right? I'm the marketing guy who, like the cobbler and the, his son, right? So even for me, I, mean, I had I purchased my own tools. I have marketing automation going on. I have blogs going on, doing social media, just to keep my name out there and awareness. But I can't say I've been doing it for the last 15 years. You know, I, I, I 
come time that I fall down and mm -hmm. remember that I can't do that because the pipeline dries up and then you're, you're knocking on doors again. So, right. you know, trying to, for my approach now is, you know, practice what you preach. So, uh, and then we, we really will go to con uh, commercial because our engineer is telling me we're we over time. But you're so interesting, Angelo. One of the other things that I find that you haven't mentioned, but I find very unique about you and really valuable for middle market companies is your comfort level with data-driven decision-making. Right. You want to hold this for after the commercial? Can we talk about that after Absolutely. the break? Absolutely. Look at him. He sh you should host your own show here. I'm, th I'm thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere because that's a hook, ladies and gentlemen in the business. We're going to be back and talk about that tease after this word from me. Best-selling author Richard Franzi's written what Marshall Goldsmith has called an incredibly poignant foray into the realm of unintended consequences of executives' decisions. In Killing Cats Leads to Rats, Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, Richard Franzi takes a close look at the impact of unintended consequences on business performance and employee engagement. Through the retelling of the experiences of executives at Pepsi, Wells Fargo, Kodak, Volkswagen, and many others, Richard paints a compelling real-world account for how executives leading firms of all sizes must do a better job of anticipating and controlling the outcomes of their strategic business decisions. Killing Cats Leads to Rats is available through major bookstores in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook formats. To learn more, visit www.richardfranzi.com. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All of our shows can be heard anytime, anytime, ladies and gentlemen, anytime on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our show since we started the program in 2009. We've reached hundreds of thousands of listeners through our live stream here on octalkradio.net, podcasts, other platforms like YouTube. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software, and you'll receive automatically our episodes with great guests like Angelo Ponzi, founder of the Ponzi Group. Before the break, we teased it by saying you're comfortable helping your clients in this fractional CMO world with data-driven decision-making. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? <clears throat> yeah. You know, one of the, the, I call it the arrows in my quiver, is my background in research, qualitative, quantitative, and predictive analytics. I, I actually started and still have a, a, a separate business that, that works in that area that I use strategically in, in helping my clients. So in the areas that I like to say I play in are insights, brand, and plan. And, and so many decisions are, are not made with insights, voice of the customer, things like that. So I'm, I'm a real big proponent in doing research, not talking to five people that, that you know are going to give you good reviews, but really digging down. And depending on the decision, if we're looking at a qualitative study, if you will, trying to get some information to, to really craft the basis or to explore, but if we re need something that we need to uh, quantitatively be able to use to forecast, then we need to do a you know, statistically-based study, um, a survey, if you will. And so uh, I've been doing that for a very long time. It really reaches back into my days of, of the agencies. Um, that was kind of my role, and I've leveraged that over and over and over again. So I'm a, a huge believer. Unfortunately, many times, the customers bypass that just like they want to get right to creating you know, the email marketing piece or the website. The, 
and they don't want to be strategic, they certainly don't want to spend time actually doing research. So a lot of times research becomes that, that annual project that a company may do because they feel they have to or maybe there's a specific issue that they're trying to address as opposed to in some of my clients, especially in the, in the wine industry, where we did quarterly studies. Mm. We, we were constantly monitoring every ad and shift in message. Why? Because we were trying to rebrand this particular um, wine company and, and really elevate them. They lost their cachet over the years and we were trying to reposition them back to that cachet. So we needed to know every attribute about the brand, if it shifted, if it didn't shift. So you know, to me, that was the purest sense of doing research. Last year, I spent almost a year doing market research for a software company. We spent a lot of time doing competitive analysis, which would be qualitative. We interviewed their customers uh, and, and tried to really understand their perspective of them and interviewed about 25 of them. And an interesting thing, enough, one of the common things we heard in that survey with the customers was, hey, you're the first person that we've talked to in six or seven months oh my from God. the company. Right. right there was a red flag for me and, and guidance that I gave the organization. And then based on that, we launched a quantitative study, not only to the, to the prospective market, to try to understand how they selected you know, software providers so we could have a better understanding and crafting those messages and looking at segmentation based mm -hmm. on verticals and things like that. So I, I'm a huge proponent that companies need to invest some time and energy in listening to their cus customers, but listening to the marketplace. You know, we're talking with Angelo Ponzi, founder of the Ponzi Group. But, you know, I'm going to circle back because that's that discipline doesn't just reside with large companies, a large winemaker. Correct. It, smaller organizations need to have data-driven decision-making in the area of marketing. You know, my book on unintended consequences, right. one of the methodologies to avoid them is to expand your knowledge base. And I would have to believe, if we had the time on the show, you could tell us a number of times when you were allowed to do good quality research where the data that came back was different than the bias and the opinion and the emotion of the company and saved them from moving down a path that would have been ineffective. Oh, so many times. Uh, uh, about a year or so ago, working with a, a, a company in the telemedicine side and they were developing software and they had about 25 features that they wanted to build into the product um, they were trying to raise money and so we actually did a study and ultimately they only needed five mm. so it saved them a lot of money got them to market quicker um, situations where for even some of our clients we would have made some huge strategic mistakes if we went with our gut years ago again to go back to the wine industry it was uh, a, a brand that was adopting this coastal strategy we went, great, we'll just show, go down to the ocean, take a lot of beautiful shots. And then at the last minute, we were talking to some people. We got a little nervous. So we rolled out focus groups across the country and found out that coastal meant something very different to a lot, a whole lot of people across the country. So strategically, we would have wow. made a huge mistake. But actually, during that research process, we uncovered some other nuances, like terms like the wall of wine, that wine and purchase of wine intimidated people. And it was those insights from those focus groups that we then quantitatively tested and validated that we used for our strategic campaign. And that client, after they launched, uh, their sales were up 25%, and they ended up dominating that category. Don't be turned off, uh, CEOs and business owners of middle market company, companies countries across the country. When you talk, I know for a fact you're able to do research that can inform decisions for smaller companies that fits their budget and fits their uh, kind of attention span, if you know what I mean. Right. It, these aren't all uh, big research No, no, projects. no, and, and I apologize if I'm, if I'm misleading the audience. Absolutely not. 
uh, market research, and I, and I think that's the big issue. The assumption that it's expensive. Yeah, and it takes a long time. And it takes a long time. It, oh. it, it does not. I mean, uh, again, I've done research projects for three or four thousand dollars to help companies really get on the right track. Right. It's about what are we trying to accomplish? It's back being strategic. Yes. What do I need to accomplish in order to give me confidence in the decisions that I'm making? Right. Right. Research. It, you know, there's a statement I used to use when when I was, I was doing some teaching that, you know, market research provides insights upon which marketing people can make intelligent decisions. It doesn't tell you what to do, but it, it gives you those insights to make smart decisions. And so I, I think that when businesses and small businesses, especially including myself, by the way, because I had another whole business that I launched that I fell in love with so much <laughs> that it was a great hobby, um, <laughs> didn't ever made any money at it. And so, you know, that's the other thing is getting especially small entrepreneurs that I deal with get out of their own head yeah. quit falling in love with your product and right. then step away and make decisions uh, I have dealt with a, a gentleman last year that he kept saying that you know this is what I think we should do this is the market this is the market and I kept saying but you're not the target audience you can't make that decision we need to go to the audience we're trying to sell to and get them to tell us the right Right. And, and again, that was a simple uh, research study that did not cost a lot of money, but it gave us great insights in the way we could change our messaging and the way we communicated. Yeah, to me, th th this, uh, this is why I'm so excited to have you on the show. I know I wanted to feature your fractional CMO work and the work that you're doing, but I also wanted to spend a little bit of time with you in this area because you, you are so competent in this, you can scale it to get the quality output that a company needs without having to put in a major research project because you understand it well enough to know how to give them just enough information to make value data-driven decisions yep. before they waste a lot of time and money and get frustrated because that can happen in marketing all too often. Way too often. Right. I, I was dealing with a, a startup entrepreneur and I was trying to give them guidance and some insights. I thought their model was was interesting but I, I was concerned about it and, and unfortunately it's, it's about eight months later and uh, they didn't listen. They they fell in love with what they were doing. I get an email from them yesterday saying, you know, sorry, but you know, I had to shut it down. It just didn't take oh. off. And I really, I felt really bad for them. But I also told them, eh, this is the first step. I got a lot of what I call dead bodies along the road, businesses that I tried to start that just didn't work, right? And that's the other thing as a serial entrepreneur is they don't all work. And, you know, you just keep pushing ahead and keep going forward. So I've got about five minutes left with you here, Angelo Ponzi, the Ponzi Group. And, and I had a bunch of questions, and I got us way off script. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was, from your perspective, hiring and, and using a fractional CMO, whether it's you or another chief marketing officer, right. versus hiring a full-time chief marketing officer. And, and really think about l lower middle market companies, the audience that I program for here. You know, what advantage and benefits beyond what we've already talked about are, are your customers telling you and your clients seeing from working with a high-quality professional on a fractional uh, part-time basis? Yeah, not talking about the, the financial advantages and things like that. You know, for me, and in, in the way I approach it is back to that seat on the table. I, I just, I, I immerse myself in understanding their business. And, and actually, you know, some of that opportunities have come from doing research first, that I know so much, it, it makes sense for me to do the next, the branding part and be involved in all the strategic decisions. And I felt that, you know, and a lot of companies that I've used as, as if you will, fractional and part-time people helping me, it's, they're in, they're out, and they're not invested in what we're doing unless I'm, you know, writing them a check. Right. To me, when you're involved at this level, you have to immerse yourself. I mean, ultimately, you're putting in way more time than you're being paid for, but the rewards, I believe, down the road are huge. And for me, 
participating in those strategic and watching the companies grow and, and identifying new opportunities. I mean, that's the stuff that gets me excited. I mean, uh, I, I'm not, you know, 22 anymore, but I, you know, that's what turns me on is really seeing the companies be successful, knowing that I help contribute to that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's always I, my goal is every time I work with a company. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, which I think is a maybe an unintended consequence or an intended consequence, is the, your ability to mentor their existing marketing staff. Right. Yeah. Uh, so many times, I may have actually uh, been approached as a chief, you know, fractional um, chief marketing officer just to be a mentor to the marketing team. They didn't want me to do any work except just be a sounding board to their people. Um, but I think that it's always the case, and, and, and frankly, in the fractional role, you could always look at every day all I'm doing is trying to help move them along to work myself out of a job, right? right. But for me, many, many, many years ago, I, I had a, a mentor, and you know, he really taught me a lot and gave me a lot of you know, values that I needed to pay attention to in this business because you know, there was always temptations, if you will. Uh, to he would say printers would come or vendors would come and try to offer you things to get their business. He said, whatever you do, don't ever do that. Don't do that because you don't want to get into that habit. And so he used to give me these really great insights and things that I should be aware of that really, for me, made sense because of, because of the integrity I have and the upbringing. I, mean, I brought up an Italian Catholic, so you know I got hit with a few times with a wooden spoon being an <laughs> Italian. But um, and so. That's how I, I kind of play it forward. When I have opportunities to mentor, I always do it. Whether I'm working with a company or, or frankly, I'm, I'm working with some nonprofits. I, I'm an EIR over at uh, the UCI University Innovation What's Lab. What's EIR? So uh, expert in residence. Okay. So I work with some of their entrepreneurials and their program. If they need help, they call me up and I give them mentoring. Mm. Um, I actually just talked to somebody the other day about working with them to, to help be a mentor to some of their kids. So to me, I'm playing it forward because someday, you know, they're going to be asked. And I want them to know that. You know, there's somebody that, that can give, and there's no other reason just than just to give. Mm -hmm. So if someone would like to learn more about the Ponzi group, or Angelo Ponzi in particular, where would you direct them online? Well, I'd have to send them to my website, which oh. is theponzigroup.com. How do you spell that? T-H-E. Trick <laughs> question, I know. <laughs> P-O-N-Z-I uh -huh. group.com. Ironically, I mentioned I had sold a business an agency years ago, uh -huh. it was called the Ponzi Group. Okay. And about six, seven months ago, I was just surfing on GoDaddy looking for URLs, and I happened to type the Ponzi Group in and found that it was available. So I repurchased it, and, wow. and I rebrand, you know, got moved my other company name out and started uh -huh. using this again. So yeah, the Ponzi Group dot uh, com or on LinkedIn. Happy to LinkedIn with anybody who would like, and and um, I, I always find that a good way to meet people. Thank you for being a friend of the program and a valuable part of the ever-expanding critical mass for business community, Angelo Ponzi. Thank you. I've enjoyed Thanks, it. All right. All right. I'd also like to thank our engineer for today, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, our producers without whom we could not do this show, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Would love that. My latest book, Killing Cats Leads to Rats, Mitigating the Unintended Consequences of Business Decisions, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other quality booksellers. And until our next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 